Hello everyone, and welcome back to Video Games Are Okay Maybe, the heretical side podcast premium we give to our premium members. We talk about video games for some reason. Joining me as always is Reese. Hello, it is the ultimate sellout from us, is where you give us $5 and we say, okay, maybe, maybe we like a couple of video games. <laughs> That's a secret, so we're selling you just weapons grade we got to toast secrets of which games are actually good yeah and which games are maybe complicated <laughs> yeah we're gonna get into that i want you to start us off reese because you've just recently today had an experience shall we say with persona Oh, so I've been getting into emulation a little bit more i got a nice <clears throat> front end called big box and I've been trying to <laughs> make that look really nice. Yes, I know it is a, a, a giant vagina. That's what it's called. It's called Big Box. Oh, my God. And Reese has got a big box. <laughs> got a lovely front end. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Continue. And so I figured the... The most I could do with emulation is play something that has been released recently. And I know that Persona 5 had been released for the PS3, so I figured if I could get that working, boy, would I have owned Sony and Atlas and video games as a whole. When I started playing it, um, Tom Devan, the video game man, was like, enjoy your good, bad game or your bad, good game. I'm not sure which. And, you know, at the time, I, I asked him what he meant, and he's, he's just like, you'll see. Oh, wow. He was right. <laughs> to start with the good, it's got a lot of stylish, interesting elements. Um, it, it is one of the smoothest running games, you know, very few bugs. You're running this on emulation? Yeah, it's called RPC-S3 is the uh, emulator. And they've been doing a lot of good work on it. And it, it required a lot of tinkering oh. to get it going. But except for one or two like really crowded scenes, I haven't noticed any snags. It took me a little while to get there, but it's pretty good. And, you know, it Persona is just a JRPG with a zillion shaders. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's super, super demanding. And so the general story of Persona 5 is, you know, you're all high school kids and... The world isn't fair to high school kids and everybody in the story um, has some sort of great injustice. And you can go into there into a world called the metaverse and basically like the psyche of what these different people believe. You can do the RPG battle stuff through the equivalent of their soul to change who they are, to change them for the better. And so you have corrupt mm-hmm. figures. You start out with like a high school volleyball coach who's like been abusing the students and you kind of go up the ranks to, uh, you know, Yakuza, stuff like that. When you're starting out like the first 17 hours, mm-hmm. it's not bad. And it's just like, if you can set aside the anime dragon girl stuff, which is not bad for an anime, oh, <laughs> but man. still, still, really grating to be like for the game to be like oh man isn't it fucked up that the high school coach abuses kids anyways your teacher will give you a massage for extra energy and you're like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) um it is that stuff sucks it is it is offensive and gross there's not a lot of it it's just the idea that's salacious and gross it doesn't dive into it so it's fine 
mostly fine and medium fine. What the problem though is that it is so fucking long. It is by far the longest video game that I've ever played. I've been no lifing this motherfucker for <laughs> for weeks, and I'm still not done. I think I I've hit like the a hundred hours, and I looked it up. And that is the equivalent of two Final Fantasies with all the trimmings. <laughs> nice. It is. And what is charming and engaging and interesting at hour 15 is the stupidest goddamn thing on earth in hour 100. All the palaces drag on forever. All the characters are. You know, they're just repeating the same things over and over, and it's just insane. And I was playing this boss fight, and it was like an hour long. And I was just like, ah, I'm just going to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. And, and then you, like, messaged me a half hour later. You're like, uh, so about how long are these boss fights, huh? <laughs> I was like, that's a great question. Um, and, and the real problem is, is like, the game... You know, there's there's no depth that justifies this length. You're just doing dating sim shit to learn this one character who plays the arcade has an abusive mother and you go and change her heart and he teaches you gun skills. And it's, you know, I, I certainly have. Huh. So the neglected child with neglectful parents teaches you gun skills. <laughs> it doesn't give any red flags at all. He's the expert at the ar- the gun game at the arcade. Oh, so that's the that's so stupid. There. There's a lot of stuff like that. And I feel like the whole game would be so much better if it was just a short 40 hours and it just you focused on your, your core team. You, they actually had more developed opinions because every opinion, like every bit of story is just talking about what you've just done as a character. And like at first you're like, oh, I feel like I'm part of this world. I'm doing exciting things. And then by the end, you're just like, no, I get it. I get it. Nobody likes me because this is the part of the story that we're in. I just need to get my gun skill up to here so I can go back into the palace and defeat this fucker and beat this game one day, maybe. Not a bad game, but also apparently not a great game. Uh, I would say it is the ultimate example of video games being way too long over overblown and bloated ruining what is always good like you know we i don't want to get into it but we were playing that that wolfenstein game young blood uh-huh. and just that it's the, the same thing on a small scale where you're just doing shit to do it right because the game needs to be a set length <laughs> and it decided that this game length would needed to be 100 hours and that's not even the game at the end of it, I've, I've read, it wants you to do a new game plus, ah. which is going to do another 70 hours if you want to 100% everything and get all of the, the thing. I will say, in the game's defense, the actual RPG stuff, the, the big drawback is it's way too easy, even on like the hardest difficulty, which I'm on. It's way too easy. It's just about managing your, how much magic you have. Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting system, and it's very dynamic they, uh, everybody has their own gun. Every, there's a ton of different magic types. Oh, just and like an American ton- school. Exactly. Um, <laughs> just throwing fireballs and lightning and shooting your rifle. <laughs> but yeah, and so that stuff is good. And it's interesting how the stuff you do out in the world affects that. It's just, you know, you d- eventually it just becomes rote of just, all right, I got to level up. 
the teacher so I can have more energy and I have to level up the gun kid so I can have better gun magic. And it's just, it's overwrought. And there's a whole, uh, the last thing is the one other good aspect. There's a whole demon summoning, like kind of Pokemon where you capture different demons and you can manipulate them in a lot of interesting ways to create other demons or empower them or turn them into items. And there's a lot to do there. And that's, that's a lot of fun. The art on the demons is all really crazy and interesting. But yeah, I don't want to make my explanation of the game as long as the game itself. Damn. So I think I'm going to gonna end it here. But that's my current state of video games are okay, maybe. I think most people already knew whether or not this was the kind of game for them. Right. So. I mean, to me, that sounds interminably fucking awful. I mean, as somebody who has like at most one or two hours to game a day, and has uh, approximately the energy for about 30 minutes of such, I would say that the idea of trying to complete a game like that sounds like a nightmare. It would almost be better, because if you could just return to it every hour, and it was the only game you ever played for the rest of your life, huh? <laughs> then, then you'd come back to it and you'd be like, oh, I'm here with my, with my pals, Ryuji and Anne is here, and it doesn't seem like bullshit, but, you know, that's not the way we all play games. We we'd have a, as long a sitting as we can sit and mm-hmm. it doesn't work. I don't know if I ever mentioned that I finished Neverwinter Nights too. In terms of RPGs, that's way, way more up my alley. It's got the early Bioware-esque uh, character interactions with your party. It's not as fleshed out and developed as later Bioware games, unfortunately. I actually think it was made by Obsidian. You know, they have a lot of crossover in that regard. Yeah, Neverwinter Nights 2 is a very nice kind of casual game, except when I had to fight against rogues and they like insta-killed you with backstab damage. But it's very nice and casual, and the story is pretty good too. That's all I'll have to, I have to say about it. Uh, go play Neverwinter Nights 2. What's the game mm-hmm. that you brought, the, the RPG that you really love, that you brought the music for that one time? Oh, the steampunk one. Yeah, the steampunk one. Uh, that's called Arcanum. And that is honestly a fucking amazing game. I haven't finished it, but I was watching play of it because I have a lot of difficulty getting it to work. Mm-hmm. And I was really enjoying that. But it's like, you know, the, the story is being told along the way. And then the character develops as in response of you doing things. And I can only assume it's not 100 hours in length. So it feels like it's a long game. But it's an appropriate epic. Right. Not just like... You're going to live every day of this Japanese high schooler's life. And sometimes <laughs> interesting things are going to happen. And sometimes you're going to make a donation to rain as uh, <laughs> to atone for what you just saw. Arcanum, honestly, I think is one of the best settings in video games that's ever been made because it captures a sort of mystique of bygone ages because it's basically the story of Arcanum, or the world story of Arcanum, is that it's a world with magic that's going through an industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> one of the things that's interesting is that technology and magic don't mix in this world. So technology basically relies upon physics and like the rules of reality being what they are, and magic bends those rules. Powerful magic fucks up technology, but also technology, for some reason, fucks up magic. 
or it just doesn't work on magic. So if you're a wizard and you try to use like a healing salve, which is mechanical, uh, it doesn't work on you. You have to use magic potions. It's been a while since I've seen the LP, but it has like these interesting little scenarios where these things can play out and your decisions impact the world in a way that's that's engaging like that. It's really one of the best settings, like I said. It's this world where all the great epic magics is behind it. And there was a war between like the magic city and the technology city, and the technology city won. So it's sort of like uh, magic is in decay, basically. You see things like the archaeological dig site of the last living dragon. It's just removed enough to where it's just you feel that sort of sense of loss. Where it's just like, oh my god, there used to be dragons. And, that, and now they're all dead. Because of course. In Persona 5, I think the one flaw to the story is that the core theme that's engaging is that there is society's law and what they say is justice and what you know in your heart to be good and moral and how those two things are completely at odds. And like at first, that is really interesting as you, you make those changes. But as the story goes on, it's just not well written enough and mm-hmm. not nuanced enough. It's doing all this dumb anime, like inappropriate salaciousness stuff where you're just like, listen, I don't want to be <laughs> too much of a prude, but this is like, you know, a bunch of 16 year olds. Let's chill out. It's tough for you to take the moral high ground <laughs> while you're doing this. And there's just like no depth to the characters usually like if, mm. if you go through their their the dating sim stories for a couple of them it can be legitimately touching but it's it's a roulette it's certainly not everyone and it's not something you really feel in the day-to-day because every conversation in the game revolves around you and what your group has done recently which is like fine in a sense where it like keeps you grounded and makes you feel powerful but it does it's at odds with themes I just wanted to say that in Arcanum, you can hire a prostitute. Oh, man. Well, that game's canceled, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the thing that's frustrating about Arcanum is that it's for good as it is, it's like 75% done because they ran out of time and budget to work on it with uh, a Troika, which is like such a shame. So there are like quest lines that just kind of don't go anywhere and just kind of fizzle out. One infamous example is the one where like there's a gnomish conspiracy uh, you know, that's a, a little bit sketch, but <laughs> <laughs> in most other regards, it's actually very, very good. Another thing I want to mention is that in one part of the game, you go to like this desert island, find like the washed up remains of like this ancient mechanical submarine that looks like a giant fish. Mm-hmm. And you like run into things like this constantly that are just like so mysterious and like incredible. There's like an ancient, highly advanced technological civilization that disappeared mysteriously as well. And during the course of the game, you figure out what happened to them. The other problem with the game is that it's tough to get it to run because I <laughs> I spent quite some time trying to get it up and running and I can never get it to be really playable in a way that I found to be enjoyable, despite the fact that I've heard a lot of good things and it seems... Seems really fun, but that, that's mm. why I kind of just decided to just watch a Let's Play like a game journalist. That sucks, but if you can get it to run, honestly, Arcanum is one of the best RPGs. Um, second only, in my opinion, to stuff like 
Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and uh, Torment. Planescape Torment, that is a game that is fucking amazing story-wise. I would honestly recommend that if you want to check out a game. They have a, an enhanced, like, remastered edition that I assume will run mm-hmm. on things. I think I already own it, too, so maybe we could do the Steam Share thing. That would be cool. But now we're talking about games I played, like, ten years ago, so... <laughs> Let's segue on the Steam Share, which is a feature that Steam is using to steal from Parsec, which basically turns couch co-op... Mm-hmm into uh something you can play online yeah we've been using that to play we've been using parsec not the steam one steam one isn't out yet to play gauntlet dark legacy that's not how you pronounce it how do you pronounce it gauntlet dark legacy it's true i'm sorry for (laughs) erasing gauntlet culture yeah but i don't know how many of our listeners have played this because they're all fucking babies (laughs) (laughs) literal infants listening to this podcast right now i am 27 reese is 30 something we'll leave that something (laughs) out there reese did you ever play gauntlet dark legacy when it was around i didn't i as to show my age i really loved the very early (laughs) arcade gauntlets a whole lot the 2d ones the 2d ones when i would go there with my friends that we would that was one of the few four-player games. So when these other ones came out, it was like too too new and frightening <laughs> for me to wrap my head around. Like, oh my god, the graphics look so real, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like a face with four polygons on it and like blurry ass texture across it. It's like I can't tell the difference between this and reality. <laughs> that's what the fucking 90s are like man like that infamous magazine cover where it's just like just like real life and it's unreal one and those days were the best though my favorite is the valkyrie's hair just being a single flat plane (laughs) and you turn and it's just like her hair disappears into nothingness for a moment it just clips straight into her body too to me it's not an apparently like compelling game when you pitched it i was like all right well it's fun to play games with my friends so i'll play but i was like i don't i don't know about this <laughs> <laughs> it's really won me over though because mm-hmm. it's got a lot of depth to the character progression in a way that i did not think it would i thought it was going to be like you know 19 arcade levels and then we're done right um, <laughs> But, you know, you we each have our classes. I am the Valkyrie, mm-hmm. and Alton is the Jester, and he has recently had a class upgrade. He is a level 40 clown. <laughs> <laughs> I was a level 30 Joker before. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That, which yeah. is That's the best so thing good. is, like, old Gauntlet, I guess they didn't have leveling up. You just played, got items and power-ups and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there were... I haven't played any of the older games. I think I probably played the original Gauntlet a very long time ago on Xbox Live and stopped after five minutes because I was like, this sucks. I mean, you know, it's it's an arcade game. It's designed around getting your quarters. A quarter would get you X amount of health, depending on what the dip switches were set at. Right. And, you know, it's simple compared to games today, but it was complicated Compared to what was out, you know, mid 80s. I'm sorry, I'm just imagining you playing it, going like, is this Pac Man? What's going on? (laughs) 
<laughs> that, that's exactly what it was like. It was just everybody in the arcade was just playing the game and just being, is this Pac-Man? Uh, which one's Pac-Man? And we were just all extremely confused and angry. And fist fight each other. Jesus, that sounds great. But back to Dark Legacy, I think the thing that sells the game even more so than the mechanics, which are very satisfying but very simple, is the style of the game. So every time you level up, it has like this really great announcer that everyone should go look up, who just every time you do something cool in the game, he's just like, Green Jester has gained a level. And then when you get to every 10 levels, you get a new rank. So you start off as like a jester. And then I can't remember what was at level 20, but level 30, it's you are now a level 30 joker. And then recently I was like, congratulations, you are now a level 40 clown. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, finally, somebody just went out and said it. (laughs) It is just like dripping with this early 2000s 2D put in 3D environment art styles. And honestly, at the time, this game was dinged for having shitty graphics Going back to it has an almost nostalgia flavor because it's like, I don't think I would change the graphics even if I could. Obviously, because we're emulating it, I can upscale the resolution something really good. Then that looks really great. But the graphics themselves just look so stylish nowadays. It's sort of like a hipster retro thing. It's really true is that that time was just like a race for the most realistic looking polygons. Now is its own kind of weird, almost found art aesthetic because they Mm -hmm. certainly weren't designing it necessarily to be like, this is what the game should look like. It's like, all right, this is the best we can do with, (laughs) with the technology that we have. And And I agree, it looks great. The highlight to me this far has been the airship level. It's like weird, fucked up, rotten, rusted airship with all of this like poison barrels and stuff just constantly spraying. It's weird 2D on 3D (laughs) acid effect. It's it's awesome. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think that like back in the day when I played it, I always kind of appreciated its sense of style. I don't think I recognized the fact that games couldn't be photorealistic back in those days. Almost made it so that they had a much more interesting style, like more interesting art direction to compensate. Gauntlet Dark Legacy has an almost cartoonish art direction. I could gush about it for ages, but I, I think people should go look it up and see for themselves because it is just fantastic. And like every level is either like an old school AD&D dungeon crawl or like a haunted house. It's very complicated too, was what I'm surprised to discover is those first levels were fairly quick. And now each one we play takes a half hour because there's so many twists and turns. It's all about collecting the rune stones and the feathers and the talons, all mm-hmm. a lot of treats and treasures for you to go after. And so it's actually very engaging kind of building the progression that way too. There's so much to grab and do. I mean, it's certainly, you know, within a a somewhat limited camera angle. Sometimes it's frustrating, (laughs) but that, that almost adds to the charm a lot of the time. I mean, I think the camera angle is probably not my favorite aspect. It's functional when it works. I don't notice it. So that's the best time for the camera. 
when it doesn't work, it's sort of annoying. But in terms of gameplay, like you compare this to a modern game and you realize just how much we've lost in terms of how much treats are in the game compared to what they monetize. This game is sort of like, we've joked before, I think, about both being incredibly treat crazy in video games. In that, you know, like when Borderlands, we would like I would just zoom in and snatch up all the weapons and then drop them if I didn't need them. Uh, <laughs> and this game just hits on all those fronts like incredibly well. Honestly, that aspect of the game has aged so well in comparison to how modern games like they take out cheats, they take out all your treats, they like they lower it to like a drip feed of treats. They want to monetize it. They want to microtransaction everything. So you have the Ubisofts of the world creating these vast open worlds that are just dull and dry and have like tiny, tiny treats scattered around in the hopes that you'll spend like five bucks on like the treat pack. And this has like secrets. It has secret codes. It has secrets that you unlock by hitting them with like your ranged attack. And it's just great. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think, too, part of what's so enjoyable about it is, you know, I'm sure there was an instruction booklet. But for me, just it it will explain when the time is right, when you need to do something. You'll Mm -hmm. pick up a little scroll and it'll remind you to do this or that. Death awaits you in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Death awaits you in the toilet. But yeah, I mean, I've we we've been playing. That's been our go-to co-op game for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. We tried a little bit of Shrek Two. I didn't stick. Yeah, Shrek Two. Despite the fact that I remember loving that game as a kid, like playing through the demo, uh, like the Xbox Live demo that they include in uh, every episode of the Xbox magazine. I played through that, and I was like, "Man, this is really fun!" And it sort of reminded me of the old-school Simpsons brawler game, like the arcade one. But going back to it, it's just, like, fucking bad. They even have, like, the shitty fake voice actor for Shrek. You need to help me collect these eyeballs. So nobody wants to see me hungry. <laughs> Fiona could slow down time. She has bullet time for some reason. Yeah. You know, Shrek just does, like, a belly flop. It's really funny. And so I can imagine, like, as a kid being, like, charmed with what's going on but at the mm. but then at the while playing it it was just like this sucks i think it picks up later on because it gets more combat focused but like that intro level was so shitty because you just had to stop every five seconds to like have some extremely shitty voice actor tell you a bad joke uh also made by activision or published by activision of all people this is before they just made call of duty clones over and over and over again not even clones. The The one thing about the Shrek 2 game that was notable to me was at the end of the level, there was a rhythm game. And oh, because yeah. we, were, we were emulating it, it was different buttons than I had on my controller. And the buttons were in different positions <laughs> than they were. And so I had to like figure out what button was in what position and like memorize that. And it was honestly one of the most challenging rhythm uh, experiences <laughs> of my life just because it's it like so in the fire too. of the flames. Uh, <laughs> but Fiona singing to birds. 
it was so deeply unpleasant that I was just like, man, I hope that it's hero time gets fucking just seared into our memories by just the shittiness of it. We've also been playing co-op on a game called Ace of Seafood, which is an incredibly weird, weird game. Yes. <laughs> Ace of Seafood is a game where you are a fish or a, a prawn. That That's what you start out as. And then you basically go looking for other coral reefs and try to dominate it. And But the fighting, you're, you're doing with lasers and bullets and mm -hmm. homing missiles. <laughs> yeah. And you're just rolling with your crew of fish sharks and barracudas and stuff fighting <laughs> fighting other fish in the sea with your fish lasers. Honestly, I don't think that we'd be able to describe it very well. Like if you describe it mechanically, it's like a three-dimensional th third-person shooter because it's underwater. So it's sort of like uh what's that for like that 4D shooter depth I'm I'm so I'm totally forgetting Descent. It's Descent. Oh, oh, oh I know. Yeah, this, uh, that makes I played Descent. It's like Descent. It's like you have a squad of fish around you and you can pick their formation and what they're doing like free fire, defend, uh surround the enemy. It's nuts. And every fish you kill, you pick up their DNA and if you you pick <laughs> up enough, you can unlock that fish for your own squad. And you can upgrade your fish. There's no way that we can describe it to do it justice is the thing. It's so weird as an experience that it's just the kind of thing where you have to sit down and play. And in a way, like it's not a full game. It's just like these collection of extremely weird systems. It's a lot of fun. I was enjoying tooling around with you. You would see the shark. We'd fuck up the shark. Mm -hmm. You can fight boats. <laughs> yeah. Warships <laughs> exist in the game for some reason. And uh, I think one of the cool things is just, like, the, the boss monsters. Like, uh, as far as I know, there's only two of them, and I won't spoil the last one, but the, the second-to-last boss in the game is a giant squid. And he's like every other fish in the game. If you kill him enough, you can unlock him as a, as a fucking playable fish. The giant squid was so fucking scary because we had to go basically into the Marianas Trench. Yeah to find it and then it's just this thing explodes in a sea of red lights and lasers that'll just immediately chunk <laughs> your life down immediately murders reese if we ever do another spooky thanksgiving that's going to be on the list because like I, I had such a like startled like oh my god moment and it's like the only thing that like <laughs> ended my terror was that i immediately died it was like, oh, okay well i Nothing else can happen to me now. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking spooky as shit. I played through this game on my own. Uh, I actually beat the game on my own before, but we're playing through on co-op now because it has co-op for some reason. So you have two squads of fish rolling around the map just murdering things. Yeah, it's a short game, and I think that's one of the things I really like about it is that it doesn't overstay its welcome. Man, um, right now, I big ups to any game that doesn't overstay its welcome. <laughs> Does not 40 fucking hours long because you have to build relationships with each of the fish. You play every day, Alton. Every single day of this kid's life. It's fucked up. <laughs> oh, man. Because my job is basically just getting my dick stomped for like nine hours a day, especially when deadlines come up. 
Uh, I appreciate games that don't overstay their welcome because I get it takes so long to finish like a forty hour game for me, like just fucking months. Like legitimately, like outside of like gamer culture stuff, that is the worst thing about video games is that they don't know how to pace things in such a way to make it just like a tight, engaging experience because you have to have your value for the sixty dollar game. Yeah. And it's so nice when a game is feels comfortable enough to do that. Hell yeah. I mean, just the satisfaction of beating a game is something that I enjoy so much. Like, just being able to feel like, ah, finally I can put this game down now. I don't have to have it installed on my hard drive anymore. Like, that to me, the uninstallation of a game is one of the most satisfying <laughs> experiences. Just That's feeling- one of the main motivations to play a game. It's like, oh, I gotta get this fucker off my hard drive. <laughs> For real, it's though. 27 gigabytes? What the fuck? Fucking, the bigger the game, the more satisfying to uninstall that son of a bitch. Yeah. If if I ever managed to beat all of Destiny two, I would just I would just nut. <laughs> I would just be like, oh, fine, like, and get rid of this two hundred gigabyte monstrosity from my hard drive. I mean, I have some sympathy for the large file sizes because if once you get past a certain fidelity in the graphics, you have to keep putting the same file over and over again. So it'll load in a reasonable amount of time. So it creates this silly bloat because the systems aren't all the same. That Mm. doesn't change the fact it's crazy to push install and have the game be 170 gigabytes. Yeah. Just do this is I could not imagine this much space existing when i had my my computer <laughs> oh, 15 man. years ago i remember when games were just like two gigabytes and i was like oh yeah that's a good size and then it was like eight gigabytes and I'm like mm, oh that's not bad and then it's like 20 gigabytes like uh this is starting to get kind of a bit big and then it's like <laughs> 60 gigabytes and like okay you're really just pulling the my leg now. I looked like the last week to see like, oh, I kind of feel like I want to try that new Bungie game that everyone's talking about, Destiny 2. And then I fucking looked at it and I was like, nope. Ugh. Like, I would probably want to install it on my SSD and that's like, I only have like a 500 gigabyte SSD and that's where my that's like where my uh, operating system is on. So it's like, that'd be basically all the free space on there. You'd want to have it on your SSD. I feel like there should be a move back to fucking Dark Legacy-ass graphics just so we can play MMOs with, like, a reasonable fucking file size. I don't disagree. Like, I think Destiny 2 looks looks good, but it's just, like, that's all it's going for it, in my opinion. It's just shooting is fun, and mm-hmm. it's not MMO fun, but I don't know. It's it's. I think if it was a little more stylized and a little less just super 4k whatever but i guess that's what they're going for all right well i think i'm pretty much done um can i can i talk about ape out real quick oh okay sure sure talking about short games that is that are excellent ape out is a game and you basically play a ape escaping a science facility that is just rampaging killing all of the soldiers and everything and for whatever reason coming at you with guns and flamethrowers etc what makes the game interesting is that it is stylized and every everything in the game is a silhouette the ape is an orange silhouette and then depending on what's going on the soldiers have different black and white silhouettes you know turn into a dark purple silhouette to 
when the, the lights go out in the research facility and every one of your actions, like when you grab a dude or rip his arms off or throw it at someone else, it's, is a different kind of like jazz drum riff. So you're playing through this game, kind of creating your own like rhythm going through it. And you need, there's a good rhythm too that is required for playing the game correctly. And it's one of the most remarkable games I've played. And there's not a whole lot to it. They have like four albums, which are just like, you know, each album has a handful of stages. Took me maybe three and a half hours to beat. It's just like a great, like, you know, $15 game. It's probably like one of the top five games that I haven't played a lot of games this year, but if I did an end of year list, it would certainly be close to the top, if not the top. Um, And yeah, and I think just people should check it out because it's an indie game and it is 100% worth your time. Excellent. And uh, so I would like to read off the names of the patrons. We have many, many patrons. Um, it's getting kind of nuts. Uh, <laughs> it's not at the point where we're not going to read them off, but like reading off every single new patron is going to get. I, I feel like the pod has been growing. Uh, the, the Twitter account has like six thousand followers now, which is just <laughs> crazy. Which is, uh, you know, I I love nerds, but uh, and it's not an indictment of them, but it's stupid. Once you get above like a couple thousand, mm-hmm. like people will just respond, just be like, "What?" And you're just like, Are you, "You didn't need to say anything. That bafflement could have been internalized." <laughs> but, <laughs> and it's just like, I, but it's just like a stupid pet peeve because you get like a lot of responses to everything you do, and it's just like, <laughs> just let just let the game memes into your heart. You don't need to come. Yeah, but uh, all of our patrons can comment as much as you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Our patrons can comment as much as they want. That's what you get for even a dollar. For even a dollar, exactly. Uh, so, Robert Miles. Uh, friend of a friend of the pod's cousin, a.k.a. Conky. Nine to try and winters beautify the heavens, a.k.a. Nachtseeger. Uh, just ignore the screaming in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Nate M number one dono is short for donation. <laughs> no such thing as character limb. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Jarhead Kuntz, Higgins the Seagull, Nick Rubin. Uh, Nick Rubin uh, recently. I Nick Rubin is a games journalist and. Uh, a little while ago, they created why Final Fantasy VII's Midgar is one of the most uh, politically charged video game locations ever on VG247. And I highly recommend everyone go check that out. Uh, next, Nathan Melby, uh, Tholos, Kyle Riederman, Eggs, Tom Devan, the video game man, uh, a spooky ghost who is new. Uh, thank you, spooky ghost. Uh, Jack Sammons, thank you, Jack. Dissonant Dragon, New Dark Cloud, and last but not least, Jordan. Thank you, everyone, for supporting the podcast. Thank you all. We really appreciate it. And I think that's it for this week for the all premium right, episodes. Boy. Okay, uh, the video games turning the knob back to bad, back <laughs> to worst, and we'll be yelling at it about them again real soon. 
All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.